my, my boyfriend and he was a heroin and crack cocaine addict and I found myself getting involved in that also and my family were just they were totally devastated by it all they literally they tried everything to help me and I mean everything I had rehab centers I had implants I had methadone I was on methadone for 11 years subutex I was constantly in and out of prison and you know I hated my life I hated what my life had become but I just didn't know how to get out of it I, I, I just felt so trapped and at the age of 21 I gave birth to my son Jackson I thought right this is the thing this is going to be the very answer this is going to be the thing that finally sets me free from this life of total destruction and for a short time it was the answer but it just wasn't sustainable and I, I lapsed back into that life of addiction again and you know I, I remember walking away to, at times with Jackson and not seeing being in and out of jail and I hated the person I'd become even towards my own son but I just did not have the power to break free from that life no matter how hard I tried and at the age of tw um, 28 I found myself in jail again this was in June 2014 and I'd completely lost everything my parents had said listen we've got to take a step back from you because we know there's physically nothing we can do and now it's just it's detrimental not to our not just our lives but Jackson's life as well and I couldn't blame them and I'd lost my flat while I was in jail I'd lost everything and I remember sitting in this cell and throughout the course of my addiction I would pray to God in times where I'd be alone in my flat or you know I'd be walking the street streets and I'd sick and I'd be in peace and say God please please help me please do something for me because I knew I was never going to get out of it myself and I sat in this cell and I said God please please come and do something in my life I've lost everything and I know that he heard me in the word of God it says you know some some wounded in the wilderness lost and homeless they nearly died but help they cried in their trouble and the Lord saved them from their distress he led them to a place of safety a city where they could find life and that's where I found myself in a place of safety where I found life hope house Wales teen challenge and I went and I was very broken and it was a really really difficult for me you know I, there was times I wanted to give up there's times I thought I can't do this I can't do this because I had to face up with the reality of not only who I'd become but how the choices that I'd made it affected the people I loved me the effects the addiction you know had on other people around me I had to face up to that and I thought can I do this can I do this and God gave me a revelation through his word in Exodus where it says when God led the people out of slavery out of Egypt he didn't lead them on the shortest route through the Philistine territory he led them on the longest route because he knew that if the people were faced with a battle they may, may not stand and return back to Egypt and you know through that I thought you know what the journey is hard the journey is difficult but I'm not walking it alone God is with me and I knew that I had such a revelation of his grace I tell you I really did and you know I've come to understand that I can do it I am weak but he's strong Amen. I'm unable but he's able and I do fail but he is unfailing and I tell you he walked through that journey with me and I come to the end and I tell you the relationship that he gave me back with my family I never imagined it would be the way things are now and so, When I think of, you know, the relationship I've got back with my mum, the relationship I've got with my son. Next week, I'm, um, my parents are in Dubai and I'm going to be going home and taking care of my son Jackson for the week. Um, just me and him and, you know, we're going to make some memories together. I'm going to take him swimming and we're going to go and do things that all them years that I thought I'd lost. God has given me back. Amen. God has restored everything. Amen. And 
you know, I just love him so much for that. And at the moment, I'm in the Leadership Academy in Nottingham. Um, and we have classes on in the morning and on a, some days in the week we go out and we do outreach. And I tell you what, it's such a blessing to me. And, you know, I can go out on the streets and I can say to people, you know, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through, but this is not the end for you. There's a way out of what you're living in. And I tell you, I look back on them years of my life and I used to feel so depressed because I thought I've lost everything. But you know what? What the enemy meant for bad, God turned around for good. And I can use that to help people. And that's, that's what I want to do. It really is what I want to do. And you know, there's been battles and there's been struggles, there's been temptations, there's been trials, but throughout and all, God has been faithful to me. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And you know, whatever the future holds, I'm just putting my trust and my faith in him because he's, he'll never let me down and I know that. And the word of God says, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and they won't grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. So I just want to thank you for listening and just praise God for... Upbringing. I grew up in a Christian family and I went to church. Um, but as I grew to nine, ten, I, I'd sort of dismissed God and I, I never understood how He fit into life. Um, it's only when I came to Teen Challenges where I got a revelation of who Jesus was. Um, so my drug addiction started off as using alcohol and cannabis at the weekends with friends um, to try and escape the stresses of life. Um, these stresses soon came came back the next morning when I woke up, when I came off the drugs, and it never bore any long-lasting effect, really. Um, so my cannabis habit turned into a daily habit um, after not very long, um, and I found myself working full-time and, and smoking cannabis all day. It had become my focus, and I was unable to get away from it. Um, I tried to quit. Um, but because of the friends that I kept and um, my lack of willpower, I wasn't able to, to get away from it. Um, so my mum could see I was going down a, a sort of rocky path. Um, she found out about Teen Challenge through her church. And I wasn't ready to go to rehab. I was too stubborn. Um, so I left it a year and then I eventually came to the point of absolute despair and I, I needed to change. So... I submitted an application to Teen Challenge. Um, about six weeks later, I arrived at the Teen Challenge Centre, and it's the best thing that I could have done. It allowed me to meet with Jesus um, and, and turn my life around completely. Um, it was about five weeks into the programme that I, I made the choice to um, accept Jesus into my life. I, I couldn't um, see a way of turning, getting rid of all my heart issues, um, sort of my, the bitterness that I was holding on to, the unforgiveness, um, which made me feel the need to take drugs. Um, and knowing that Jesus had gone to the cross and paid for all my sin doing that, um, it was the most freeing thing because it allowed me to forgive other people and, and not carry around this guilt and shame that I was feeling. Um, so yeah, the Teen Challenge Ministry of Teen Challenge is a, a really, really nice ministry because it allows drug, drug addicts to um, get away from the environment that they're in and, and to meet with Jesus. Um, it's the best thing that I could have done, and it's it's all down to God that that got me there and 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 did the this transformation in my life. Um, I now have a hope for a future, and I'm, I'm not stuck 
in, in cannabis addiction anymore. So I thank God and Jesus for that. Um, the next song we're going to sing is called I Owe It All. Things went right on the inside and to cut a long story short, I got bullied for all the way through my life at school. And this got me into, I got into drugs and this cured a lot of social problems. You know, I escalated onto amphetamines and ecstasy and I were in the pit of madness, I were in the pit of despair. Um, I used to see things, hear voices, uh, I was sectioned off numerous times and belted to beds, you name it. Um, and then I, w I went through addiction as, you'd, as, as, as addicts do and uh, one drug led to another and you know, lifestyle became absolutely hectic, you know, um, I was going out robbing people on the night time, beating them up to rob them. It made me feel so macho inside, which was really like the trauma and the pain that I was feeling. I was trying to make someone else feel that pain. Um, you know, I've had a, a hectic lifestyle. Like I say, I've been knocked over by cars. I've, I've been beaten up numerous times, um, but one really bad time I got put in hospital. Um, I couldn't see. Um, I had pus in my eyes. I had fractured cheekbones. Um, blood coming out of my ears and I can always remember my mother coming in and she was in tears and she was just saying God's got his hand on your life, he's answering my prayers and you know he's keeping you safe, you should be dead Stephen and what well, my dad always says I'm like a cat with nine lives because I've like there's been that many times when I could have died and I'm still here um, but when my mum said this um, I just mocked her in that I just because I didn't believe in God I just thought she was stupid for believing in, in an invisible God and uh, so, you know, I ended up doing prison time with the guys who beat me up that were really hard. And, you know, it's just been a really hectic life, really. And I started living that lifestyle because I wanted to, I wanted peace and joy. I wanted to run away from my problems. And, yeah, I had a high for a little short while. And, you know, I was looking for life in the fast lane. And I had the fast lane for a short while. But when it became addiction, the fast lane feeling went. It just became normality. And the high also went. Fear just, it just got replaced by fear. I was then in bondage to the fear of death, like it states in Hebrews. I was scared of dying. Every birthday that went by, I'd be thinking, no, that's another year closer to dying. Obviously, I'm getting older, but I'm shortening my life as well. And I just used to think, where am I going to go when I die? And I used to think, if life, is, if, if life is just empty and meaningless, then really I'm scared of dying because there's nothing after it. But, you know, when I got born again and had an encounter with the Holy Spirit... That fear left me instantly because all of a sudden life had a purpose because Jesus is the truth and I knew the truth. And then I started to realize that life's all about Jesus and there's so much meaning in life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain now. That's how I live right now. And to me, that's Jesus is the reason why I'm here. And when I do die, I'm not even going to die. I'm going to live for eternity. You know, and I, and I know this to be true in my heart because of the, the fire that I have in my heart. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to get clean off of drugs after I become born again, but it was just so difficult. You know, I'd, you know, the, the weights of life, the troubles and worries of life kept weighing me down, and every now and again I'd relapse and I'd use. Um, so in the end, I decided to go to Team Challenge, and it's been such a life-changing experience for me. It's been somewhere I've been able to get away from the image of the world, my old friends, everything, and I've been able to come in Team Challenge, and it's been a quiet place where I've just been able to tarry and wait on the Lord Jesus and just let him heal me and transform me. I used to be so insecure before. I used to be so paranoid. But, you know, God's brought 
a sound mind to this to the, to me. God's God's given me such a boldness. He's given me such a confidence and courage. Um, you know, He is my security. My security is found in my identity in Jesus. Once I started realizing I'm found in Him, and I got to know more about who I am in Christ, then it just like everything else left. The old man started to go, and you know, it's it's just incredible. You know what 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 God can do in 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 a life that's just willing and just hungry and just saying, God, take me. Um, life's looking so brilliant. I have a hope and a future. Now, um, I've, I've just started um, a street ministry up with another guy back at the centre, and we've been doing that for four weeks now. And God's really gifted us. He's really equipped us for, for evangelism. And the will of God's just opened up in our lives. And we, we actually give our first Bible away to someone yesterday, which was which is just such, such a blessing. Um, and I'm also, I'm going to Bible college in September. I'm actually in the Teen Challenge Leadership Academy now, but I'm going to Bible college in September. And I just think that's amazing, you know. I, I used to be someone who went in and out of prison. I used to be a drug addict on heroin and crack cocaine. And, and now I'm going to Bible college to, to study, to, 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 to be in the ministry. And I just think it's amazing. And, you know, God just, it's, it's just everything's possible with God. Um, you know, I just want to leave you one verse what um, really sums it up for me. And it's Lamentations 3.25. And it states that God is good to those that wait on him and to the soul that seeks him. And that's all I've done in Team Challenge. I've just waited there for I've been there a year and a half now. I've just waited there for a year and a half. I've, not, you know, I've made mistakes. I've, 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 I've not strived to try and do good. I've just waited for God to change my heart. And he's just doing it bit by bit. You know, and... Uh, we're just about to sing a song now. And Pastor Paul, for allowing us to come and uh, to be with you today. I want to read some verses from Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45, and I'm going to read just the first eight verses there. says, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house 
and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Twenty-two years have passed since Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. They had no idea what had become of him, had no idea what had happened in his life. But when he reveals himself to them 22 years later, he's absolutely convinced of this one thing. It was not you who sent me here. It was God. That's a remarkable statement to make in view of the way in which he had got there. Because his life had been turned upside down and he had been through a great deal of trauma to get there. Just in very short form, you've heard a little bit about the trauma in the lives of some people. If you heard the detail of the trauma that some of these people have been through, it's absolutely harrowing. What they have done to themselves and to others, it's painful, traumatic, but they're not standing in front of you this morning as victims, because they're not. They're standing in front of you as trophies of the grace of God, knowing that their life is filled with purpose and God is working in them to fulfill His purpose. Joseph stands before his brothers and he doesn't see himself as a victim. And that's remarkable. Because his family was dysfunctional. He couldn't have stood here with the guys who've said, I was brought up in a good family. He wasn't. It's not normally how we paint the picture of Joseph's family, but here's the facts. His father hated his brother. And so the circumstances of Joseph's family was really weird. His maternal grandfather, on ten different occasions, had tried to swindle his father. Joseph had eleven brothers to four different mothers. It was an unusual situation. One of his brothers, Reuben, had slept with the mother of two of his other brothers. His brothers, Levi and Simeon, had slaughtered a whole town of people in lying deception. This was not a usual family situation, but at 17 years of age, he had a dream that he had a future in God. That part of the story is well known. At 39 years of age, he's able to say to his brothers, it was not you who brought me here, but God. He's certain of that, and I just want to take a few minutes this morning to remind you of how it was he actually got there, the detail of how he got there, the detail that he attributes to God. 
His brothers hated him primarily because his father loved him. That was the reason that they hated him. And his father favored Joseph and so they loved him, they hated him all the more. There is nothing in the scripture that says Joseph was an arrogant young man. There is nothing that says he was filled with pride. And there is nothing that says that somehow or other he antagonized his brothers knowingly. Preachers sometimes say that about Joseph, but the scripture doesn't say it about him. He shared a dream that he had with his family. And people say if he had any sense, he would have kept quiet. If he had any sense and kept quiet, Israel would not have been saved in a famine. The line through which the Redeemer was born into the world wouldn't have existed And history would have looked very, very different. In the purpose of God, Joseph shares his dream. But one particular day he's sent out by his father. And he's sent out with the express intention of seeing how his brothers are doing, looking after the sheep. So he goes to see his brothers. And when they see him coming at a distance, they say, here comes that dreamer. And they decide to kill him. His brothers were committed to murder him. And the only reason they didn't was the intervention of Reuben, his eldest brother. Reuben said, let's not murder him. Let's just beat him up and throw him in this pit. The scripture says that Reuben said that with the intention of coming back later in order to rescue him. They beat him up. They throw him in the pit. And having beaten him up and thrown him in the pit, they stop for lunch, though Reuben's not with them. While they're having their lunch, an Ishmaelite caravan comes by and they sell Joseph into slavery. His own family have rejected him. They've beaten him up. The only reason they haven't murdered him the record of Scripture says, is they said it would be of no profit to them. There was no financial gain. So they let him live. They sell him. And he's sold into the household of Potiphar, the commander of Pharaoh's guard. God blesses him in the household of Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife takes a shine to him, tries on several occasions... To seduce him, and when she fails, she accuses him of rape. Joseph is imprisoned for a sex crime he didn't commit. Imprisoned, he's forgotten about. He interprets the dream of a baker and a butler of Pharaoh, and the butler says when he gets back to Pharaoh, he'll tell Pharaoh all about him. But he didn't. Two years pass by, and Joseph is left languishing in prison until Pharaoh has a dream. The butler remembers Joseph, and Joseph is brought to Pharaoh, interprets his dream, 
And Pharaoh gives him the responsibility of overseeing the storage of grain in the seven years of plenty and then of distributing it throughout the famine. He is made second in command to Pharaoh. That's the detail of how he got there. A victim of his brother's jealousy, beaten up and sold into slavery. At 17 years of age, Joseph lost the opportunity of choice in his life. He lost the opportunity to choose an education. He lost the opportunity to choose a wife, a partner for life. He lost the opportunity to choose where he would live and the people who would surround him as friends. All of that was taken from him because he was enslaved. And even though he served well in the household he was sold into, they continued to see the outworking of horrible things in his life. So he's falsely accused and he's imprisoned for something he hasn't done. You didn't send me here. It was God who sent me here. To go through all of that and recognize the hand of God in it is a remarkable thing. To go through all of those circumstances and to recognize how God was working in his life. You see, Joseph didn't see himself as a victim because he believed in the purpose of God. And he believed that God was working to his good and to his glory. He had a dream that he had a place in the future of God's purposes. And so he believed that what God was doing was of significance in his life. We have reason here this morning to believe we have a place in the purposes of God. In Ephesians it's recorded like this. Having chosen us according we were chosen, we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of He who works out everything in accordance with the purpose of His will. We were chosen, having been protested, according to the plan of Him who works out everything in accordance with the purpose of His will. God has a purpose for your life. God knows what He's doing in your life. In Philippians 1 verse 13, 2 verse 13, it's expressed like this. It is God who is at work in us to will and to act according to His Good purpose. My life is not an accident. God knit me together in my mother's womb. He ordained all the days for me before one of them came to be. I believe my life has purpose. 
We want to say to students who come to Teen Challenge, your life has purpose. You're not an accident. You are not simply a victim of circumstance. God is at work in you. But we have to come to terms with something. There's a verse in Romans 8 and verse 28, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. What does that actually mean? Let me show you what it looks like in Joseph's life. On the day that his father sends him out, he goes to Shechem to find his brother looking after sheep. His brothers aren't at Shechem. They've moved on. The sheep have eaten the pasture that's there. They're looking for new pasture and so they've moved on to find it. Which way should Joseph go now? He'll have to look around and see if he can find his brothers. But a man sees him and walks over to him and he says, Joseph, what are you doing here? Well, he didn't say Joseph. He didn't know who he was. He says something like, can I help you? He says, I'm looking for my brothers who are tending sheep here. The man said, that's interesting. I happen to overhear them have a conversation. And when I overheard that conversation, they said they were going to move on to Dothan. So Joseph didn't spend hours going from one place to another. He went to Dothan. He went to Dothan because there was a man there who heard and over, who overheard a conversation with his brothers. Fortunately, that man, when he saw him wandering around, bothered to ask him what he was doing. I know in the course of my life, I see lots of people wandering about looking lost. I don't always stop and say, can I help you? Are you looking for somewhere? Why does all of that matter? If Joseph had not arrived at his brothers when Reuben was still with them, he would have been murdered. The only reason he wasn't killed was Reuben's intervention. But Reuben didn't stay with them. They stopped to have lunch and Reuben went on with the sheep. When Reuben came back to rescue him from the pit, he was gone. If Joseph hadn't have got to his brothers at the exact time that he did, he wouldn't have been there in the Ishmaelite, when the Ishmaelite caravan had passed. If it hadn't have been that time and they hadn't stopped for lunch, they wouldn't have been there when the Ishmaelite caravan passed. They're incidental details apparently, aren't they? Merely coincidence. Yet if you take any of those out, Joseph doesn't get sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. Ah, well, he would have got sold into slavery later to someone else. Yes, exactly. And it was in Potiphar's house, the commander of Pharaoh's guard, that Potiphar's wife got him imprisoned, that got him into contact with the butler whose dream he interpreted, who remembered him two years later when Pharaoh had a dream. If the timing had been any different in any of those situations, he would not have got to where he was going. How does God work all things together for good? He takes the tiny incidental details of life that so often are dismissed as, conf 
as coincidental. The, the overheard conversation. The man who's still there when Joseph is looking for his brothers. And all of that is absolutely essential to come into line to get Joseph where he needs to be. Joseph recognized the hand of God in it all. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Consequently, because he was convinced of that, he wasn't bitter. And he wasn't angry. Here's one of the reasons I know that he wasn't bitter or angry. If when I had been made second in command to Pharaoh himself, in the greatest superpower of that time, once we'd got some large grain silos built in those years of plenty, I would have asked Pharaoh to release a few men to me because I had some business to go out and sort at home. Some brothers who needed seeing to. Joseph had the power. He had the resources. But he didn't go looking for his brothers. He waited until his brothers went looking for him. Joseph didn't try to fulfill the purpose of God for him. He'd had a dream that one day his brothers, his father, his mother would bow down before him. He didn't go back, turn up at home with a cohort of Egyptian soldiers and ask them to bow. He waited. He's not bitter. He's not a victim. He doesn't have a point to prove. I thank God this morning that those who've had the opportunity to testify to you are able to tell you that bitterness has been taken away. That they've sought to deal with forgiveness to people who hurt them and damaged them in the course of their lives. And they have been hurt and damaged. And so have some of you. But for those of us who are in Christ, we need to recognize our lives are being lived in the purpose of God. And He's working everything together for our good. And the circumstances we've been through are not always brilliant. And sometimes through hurt, sometimes through broken relationships, sometimes through particular pain and difficult challenges, God has led us to get us to here. Why? Because of His purpose. There's a staggering statement in Galatians 1.15. It's part of Paul's testimony to the Galatian church. He says, when God, who set me apart from birth as an apostle to the Gentiles, was pleased to reveal His grace in me. When God, who set me apart from birth. The Apostle Paul looked back on his life and believed this about it. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's recorded for us. God set him apart from birth to be an apostle. Well, it wasn't all brilliant for Saul of Tarsus leading up to that day on the road to Damascus. He was the greatest persecutor the church had ever seen. 
But God had set him apart from birth to be an apostle to the Gentiles. A past that included holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen. A past that included voting for the stoning of Stephen didn't prevent him from being an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul went through a past that positioned and prepared him for the purpose of God in his life. These guys have gone through a past that has positioned and prepared them for the purpose of God in their lives. And you have gone through a past that has positioned and prepared you for the purpose of God in your life. So a remarkable thing about the story of Joseph in that story of his life, he has two sons. It's recorded in Genesis 41. In Genesis 41 and verse 52, his first son is born. He calls him Manasseh. He says, because God has made me forget all my troubles and my father's household. It's a great statement. God has made me forget all my troubles and my father's household. Every time he said his son's name, was he not reminding himself? Manasseh, time for dinner. Manasseh, time for bed. Manasseh, come on, we're going to church. Whenever he calls Manasseh, he's saying a name that means... God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. Is that not a contradiction? No. Because here's what he's really saying. God has made me forget the pain of my troubles. I can talk about them now without it hurting. I can talk about it because I can see the purpose of God in it. And some of you have been through pain and through challenge and God brings you to a place where he takes the hurt and the pain away from it and you begin to see something of the purpose of God in it all. The next verse says he calls his second son Ephraim saying the Lord has made me fruitful in the place of my suffering. What an amazing thing. His fruitfulness was never back at home with his family. His fruitfulness was in a place that had brought him apparently nothing but suffering. But that's where God used him to be a blessing. Some of these guys are going to be particularly fruitful in the very place they have suffered. In the areas of addiction, some of them are going to be fruitful. In the geographical locations they've come from, they're going to be fruitful. In prison ministry, they're going to be fruitful. In brokenness and helping restore the broken, in reconciling family, they're going to be fruitful. But the promise of God to them is... The same as the promise of God to you. It is the purpose of God to make you fruitful in the place of your suffering.
That's why Paul talks about the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles. He does it so that we are able to comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. We're meant to be fruitful in the place where we've suffered. We know that all things work together for good. We're not living as victims. Whatever you've come through, whatever your past, I pray, God, you would live today with a sense of the fact God's got a purpose in my life. That God wants to make me fruitful and bless me. And it might be I don't know you. It might be you don't have a relationship with God. And I just want to say to you today, please understand, He has a purpose for your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants to bless you, whatever your past has been. God bless you. Amen.